0: Welcome to The Good Enough Mother. My name is Sophie. I am a mother and a motherhood studies sociologist. I believe that we need broad social and cultural change in our societies in order to adequately support the mother to feel empowered, held, revered and respected in our society and culture. I have conversations here with experts and change makers who want to expand the conversation that we're having about motherhood. Thank you for joining me. Today I'm speaking with Jessie Harold and I think this conversation that we've had is really a reflection of many of the themes that we're discussing throughout this episode, talking about the emergence of identity, talking about creation and co-creation of who we are now as mothers, the way that we speak into being parts of ourselves and explore and uncover parts of ourselves through mothering and also talk about the loss of self and all of the complex ways that we navigate our way in the world when we become mothers part of this includes the concept of liminality that we discuss in in this episode that liminal space of the in between the toing and froing the movement back and forth and all of the ways this can play out in the different stages and phases of our mothering particularly obviously in early postpartum, but also beyond that throughout the different ages that our children go through and stages as well. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. Jessie Harold is a coach and she's a doula and she describes a bit of her journey at the beginning of the episode. And she's been supporting women through radical life transformations and rites of passage for 15 years. She works one-on-one with women and mothers, and she facilitates an internationally acclaimed matrescence support program called The Mother Shift, and its sister program for postpartum professionals, The Village. I'm really honoured to be giving a guest workshop in her program, The Village. You can find more details about the program in the show notes if you're interested. Jessie is the author of Project Body Love, My Quest to Love My Body and the Surprising Truth I Found Instead. As well as the forthcoming title, Mother Shift, Reclaiming Motherhood as a Rite of Passage. Jessie's work has been featured in Spirituality and Health, Green Parent, Today's Parent and Motherly. She's also the host of The Becoming podcast. Jessie lives on the east coast of Canada where she mothers her two children, writes and tends to her land. So have a look in the show notes for the link to the quiz that Jessie mentions in the episode, as well as the show notes webpage where you can find more detailed show notes about what we discussed and some examples of some quotes and more information about how you can connect with Jessie. I hope you enjoyed this episode. So I'm very thrilled to have you on the podcast today, Jessie. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Yeah, it's been, it's been a little uh, while in process of organizing us to speak. And, and in that time, I've been thinking more about your work and thinking about matrescence and liminality, which is part of what we're going to talk about today. But I wondered first off, if you wouldn't mind telling us a bit about yourself, where you're from, what sort of work you do and what led you into being interested in this
1: space of motherhood. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. So I live on the eastern coast of Canada, right here on the ocean. I'm looking at the Atlantic right now as we speak. And I, I guess I started out this work in the, in the funniest of ways. I was graduating from a master's program in the middle of a recession and I thought for sure I was never going to be able to get a job. And I was at a party and drinking wine with a doula. And what she did sounded kind of cool. And so I decided to do a doula training. And now that's that was 15 years ago. And so I've been doing like hands on birth work for 15 years, just about. And what kind of brought me specifically to the world of matrescence, like this identity shift into motherhood was probably, I think, rooted in the fact that I was a doula before I was a mother. And so as I was approaching my own motherhood, I will say that I was a, I was pretty worried about becoming a mother. I had seen enough of my clients go through this journey. I was already a little ambivalent and it made me maybe a little bit even more ambivalent. And I had the great fortune of meeting the woman who would become my doula and then my mentor before I ever got pregnant. I heard her speak at a talk where she said the transition to motherhood takes two to three years. And like 15 years ago, well, this is 10 years ago now, that was pretty mind-blowing. I mean, I think it's actually pretty mind-blowing even now for people to wrap their heads around that. And I knew I had to talk to this woman. She knew something about this transition that I needed to know because I had seen birth. You know, most people approach birth with this same sort of trepidation, like, oh my goodness, but I had seen birth quite a lot. And so what I was curious about was what was going to happen to me? What was going to happen to who I was? I quite liked myself, and I was quite worried that I was going to lose myself in motherhood. And so this was me embarking on this journey, meeting my own mentor, who was sort of the first person that I had ever heard talk about this transition to motherhood. And then my work kind of evolved from there. I went through this major transition twice with my own children and got really interested in that sort of that the experience after that first 40 days like after that fourth trimester and that's where my work has landed me now although I do totally still attend births i was just at one this week <laughs>
0: wow that's incredible i i find i always find it really interesting when when people who work in this space now have worked in it pre their own motherhood or aren't mothers themselves because yeah. there's this assumption because i was similarly did this work before i became a mother did research on motherhood before i was a mother and there i think there's this presumption which probably speaks to the devaluing of motherhood more broadly that if you work in this space it's because you were a mother and you were experiencing either transformation or challenge through your own journey and that is such a common story that is mm-hmm. why a lot of people come into this space but I wonder if you could speak to us a little bit more about that experience of working in the space of motherhood witnessing birth and you said you had a, like a trepidation or worry that you would lose yourself going into motherhood what did that can you remember what that felt like and what you did to try and prepare yourself or move through that and then when you did come into motherhood, what was it like versus what you thought it was going to be like?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can remember sort of a few key moments. I did a lot of like inner work in my pregnancy. Um, A lot of just, I kind of, you know, a lot of people that I work with through this matrescence journey have a massive reorientation toward their values their careers, their relationships. That all started for me while I was still pregnant, which is, I don't think, the usual experience. I think a lot of us kind of expect to just add a baby and then everything else is going to stay mostly the same. <laughs> but no, that really started reorienting for me. And I, and I knew that I wanted to change my career. And, you know, I was kind of watching this transformation unfold before my very eyes, even in my pregnancy. And so doing a lot of work. but I remember this one moment, my baby was probably about five or six weeks and I, she didn't sleep much and she didn't nurse that well. And so I had been up all night and it was about five or six o'clock in the morning. And I decided to pull out my journal and write down what I have since come to tenderly call a mama festo. I Thought I had enough motherhood under my belt at that point to, to make some declarations about what was important to me now and how I was going to step into motherhood. And although of course, you know, I had a lot of matrescence yet to go at that point, there was something that was seeded in that moment where I realized that I was going to have to surrender a lot of my expectations and what I you know, new to be true about myself and my life up until that point and step into something new. And it was a real pivotal moment. I can still remember the chair I was sitting in. And, and even now I, I guide the mothers that I work with through writing their own manifestos as they're starting to kind of emerge from the process of matrescence and begin to sort of sense what they might be stepping into in terms of their new identity and their new role in the world we write mama festos. So, you know, and I had this beautiful mentor who was there telling me the whole time, like, it's okay to grieve. It's okay to like feel, you know, mixed feelings about this experience. She taught me that to surrender, the root of the word surrender is to make sacred And I held that really closely in those early months and years that for right now, I was making this and everything that motherhood entailed sacred, surrendering a lot. And she was there to normalize that for me. And I think that sort of was a really unique experience because I see that as something that's deeply lacking in our modern culture, you know. And I know you talk about this cultural soup that we're. I always say soup that we're swimming in, but we don't swim in soup. It's the fishbowl, right? <laughs> that you talk about that tells us that, you know, we need to keep moving forward and, and come up with new goals and intentions and, you know, always have sort of a direction we're moving in. And so much of that Matrescence experience is actually deeply liminal and, and filled with, you know, yes, joy, but also a lot of grief. And we need to continue to remind mamas of that fact
0: yeah I hear you and I hear how pivotal having that experience of having a mentor was for you to kind of hold space for you so that you can hold space for yourself actually and move through move through this experience in the liminal space as you say so I wonder if we can talk a little bit more about that liminal space and liminality and what it is as a concept and and how we can apply it to motherhood in a way that can open up space for us to name and explore our experiences. I know that it was originally from an anthropologist Turner, wasn't it? But I wonder if you can explain the concept of liminality to us.
1: Yeah, sure. And I want to sort of back up a little bit to say that the way that I sort of view the matrescence journey is through a rites of passage Mm -hmm. lens with a little sprinkling of adult development psychology in there, because I think it's kind of, it's, you know, it's about us maturing as adults and, and growing into eldership in a lot of ways. But that can be a conversation for another time. So using a rites of passage lens allows us two really key and kind of different perspectives on the matrescence journey that I think get missed in a lot of ways. And one of them is that, that grieving, that releasing, and letting go, and the other one is the idea of the liminal space, so the liminal space is the in between it's you know i'm not i'm I'm no longer not a mother, but I haven't fully stepped into my mothering identity or my motherhood identity yet I don't you know the the most tangible way I can describe this is that. You know, you're at the playground and someone yells mom and you're like, who could they be talking about? Couldn't possibly be me. You know, there's this sort of betwixt and between and it's deeply uncomfortable. Again, like I said, that our culture really deifies the idea of, you know, having resolution, having goals, having outcomes, having a place to go you know, knowing what's next. And the liminal space is the exact opposite of that. It's a real sense of not knowing. And there's not a lot that you can do in the liminal space, which again is really uncomfortable for many of us. It's a time of being, overdoing, again, really challenging. And so when I'm talking about liminal space, I, you know, it, because it can feel just so disconcerting. I love to share with the people that I work with some things that you actually can do in liminal times so that, you know, you can kind of focus on these things so that, you know, it's not so overwhelming to have this feeling of not knowing what's next. And I guess to, you know, put a bookmark in that, but then also to say, like, this is also a tremendously rich time. When we bypass the liminal space and we try and move into what's next, whatever that looks like, into this motherhood identity, into back into our careers, back into whatever it is, we often end up either, you know, recreating the circumstances of our past which when we've gone through a fundamental identity shift usually leads to suffering or we, we try to kind of forge our way into a future that just isn't formed yet. It's just not ready yet. You know, you can think of the lit the richness of the liminal space as being akin to, you know, how so many of us think of our best ideas in the shower. You know, it's in these times of spaciousness that we're actually the most creative that we actually have this opportunity to learn to listen to our inner knowing. And that's something that, I mean, is so important to this rite of passage into motherhood, that we can we can learn to kind of, you know, put down those sort of exogenous sources of information, Google and, you know, whatever else, and start to source our wisdom being in it so that we can really benefit from it in the way that we're meant to.
0: Yeah, I love your descriptions of that, and and the permission that it can allow ourselves to be able to name the space of liminality that we may be in, and to know that it's cyclical too, isn't it? Like it's, and I, you know, I'd be curious to hear you talk more about this from a rites of passage lens that it's not only the initial transition into motherhood that we experience being in a liminal space, but then it can it, it can and does happen over and over and over again, and that's our own evolution and growth as individuals, as mothers. Could you speak a little bit more to what that can look like, I suppose, beyond that initial transition to motherhood?
1: Yes, yeah, 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 definitely. So (laughs) when I was sort of creating the model that I use to work with mamas, and actually I also work with all kinds of people going through all kinds of life transitions now, but when I was creating this model, I went to... You know, the research on rites of passage and on adult development theory and kind of all of these things that can sort of inform how we think about change in our lives in general transition. And what I found there was that actually, you know, similar to how a lot of our research on, say, heart disease was done on men. Most of the research that has been done on life transition, life change, rites of passage has been done by and for largely white male academics. And they're just I was not seeing reflected in that the experiences of the women and mothers that I was working with. And I should say also a lot of that is like anthropological information that was Gathered by white male academics who immersed themselves in tribal cultures and sometimes misinterpreted what they saw there. And so, as I was kind of exploring this, I realized that we needed to have a real like feminist and, you know, a model that was oriented to that feminist and female experience. And that, that, the mothers that I was working with were going through. And one of the big differences to me was that in a lot of the literature, it's sort of, it's very linear. It's this, you know, you go through this fairly linear process of, you know, of transformation. There's a beginning, a middle and an end. And I was not seeing that in any way whatsoever in and among the people that I was working with, and it is indeed very cyclical. And so we often, for example, you know, in the model that I use, we start in this phase of really kind of getting your feet on the ground of like, what is true now? What is, what is true about my life? And understanding, you know, what has changed, naming the change. We go through this period of grief, but sometimes we go back into like, so if I'm no longer this then who am I? Back to this sort of what is true now. Okay. And then we often, you know, when we move into that liminal space, we might start to feel maybe some like a natural kind of gravitational pull into something that feels like next for us, this new identity, maybe it's a new career, maybe it's, you know, all of the different parts of our lives that motherhood transforms. But then sometimes that that lands us right back into transformation yet again. Who am I now that I don't have this career? Who am I now that, you know, I no longer need to predicate my success on the size of my to-do list that I'm actually more comfortable being overdoing? There's so much there and we do absolutely move Move kind of in and out of these phases, these cyclical phases of transformation through the course of our and then it, and then it keeps going. I think, Sophia, I shared with you that I, you know, I'm going through a particular parenting experience right now that has me feeling a lot like I'm postpartum again, even though my kids are 10 and 7, and so I've found myself yet again reorienting to what is true for me, letting go of a lot being in deep liminality and the discomfort of that and I'm I'm still there actually. <laughs> I have not started to move into what's next. But it's it's true that this kind of continues to develop through our mothering journey.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that and, and hearing and honoring the space that you're in right now too and, and knowing too that we, we can still show up for ourselves and others, but in particular ways. And it's only with an honouring and an acknowledgement of where we are and not pretending that we're somewhere else. And we, as you've said, like in our society and culture, we want to jump ahead. We want to kind of skip the middle messy bit, please, and I'd like to get mm-hmm. to the space where everything's ordered. And I think, too, so often we are set up in terms of the expectations that mothers have in going into motherhood, In trying to gain a sense of control over the experience and have things as ordered and neat, and this will happen and this will happen and this will happen. And then when you are in the messiness, kind of chaotic, sometimes nature of those early stages and of later on as well, it can almost feel as though you're not doing it right. If it's like this. And so I think just naming and speaking to the importance of this space can be really permission giving and freeing. And I wanted to share a couple of quotes that I had. And these are not related. This is why I find this interesting. These are not related to motherhood. But as you say, a lot of the academic literature isn't right. Like that's, that's why I'm such a passion for motherhood studies because it's like actually liminality. Like, of course we explore that in motherhood, but, but this is actually from education and anthropological literature. And, and as you've spoken about, one one study, this was from two thousand and eleven, we set out and they talk about the liminal state as the middle stage of liminality where we are no longer but simultaneously also not yet. Mm. So that betwixt and between and Thomason in two thousand and nine talk about liminal moments. There can be sudden events, liminal periods, weeks, months or years even, and liminal epochs, like liminal decades or even liminal generations. Mm. And I wonder what how you would think about that, I suppose, in the macro sense, given your work in this space for the length of time that you've been supporting mothers and the witnessing and the guidance that you've been able to offer mothers going through their matrescence. How, how do you think or where are we now in your perception based on the work that you're doing versus where we were when you first began your jeweler work do you think that we have greater reverence for the liminal space of
1: motherhood or have we got some ways to go oh wow that's really a lot and thought-provoking also so interesting to think of liminality in terms of those like micro and macro experiences oh boy I think we actually do have a ways to go you know we have one of the things that I kind of keep talking about and I've, well, I've written a book about it <laughs> is that with matrescence now, like we have this great word and a lot of us know it. And what we know is that matrescence happens. We don't necessarily know how it happens. And so that's kind of where I think the, the growth edge is both in our sort of academic or professional understanding and then also in our sort of individual on the ground mother to mother understanding of how this happens and I've I've been describing my interpretation of how this happens and sort of the the arc of the matrescence journey because I still think that we have so much There's still so much bounce back culture. There's still like this deep taboo around the idea of losing yourself in motherhood, which I actually I deeply believe that you have to lose yourself in motherhood and that, you know, what we don't say is that you become someone entirely new and that going back to that old self is it's just will not feel applicable anymore. And that's not to say that there aren't aspects of that life that, you know, might come with you. But as I always tell the people that I work with, it's probably not going to happen in the way that you think, and it's probably not going to happen on your timeline. And so, I, you know, I think these are the conversations we still really need to be having normalizing, as you say, this, particularly the messy middle of this experience, of this transformation, and, and helping each other to, to hold in the discomfort of this liminality, this liminal space. I always like to say that you're not broken, you're becoming. You know, yes, it, our culture might make it seem wrong in some way, that it's that it's taking so long that you still haven't quote-unquote, figured it out, that you still don't maybe feel like a mother or identify in that way. But it takes time, and there's so much permission and validation in that, um, and normalization. Oh, my goodness. So much normalization in how long this takes and how gnarly it can be sometimes, And, and also how deeply empowering because I think that's the other part that we miss. That, you know, I don't want to lose myself in motherhood because if I lose myself in motherhood, then what, what, what we assume then is that I've been demoted or devalued in our society. And so I really want to uplift that in fact, we gain so much. We gain this incredible set of skills and capacities that are not only what we need to be able to mother, but also it's what our world needs right now. Our world needs people who have gained the skills and capacities that we almost naturally, almost naturally gain in the transition to motherhood. Yeah, it's it's so interesting,
0: isn't it, reflecting on identity because it's simultaneously such a uniquely individual and personal transition and journey. And yet at the same time, there are some broader patterns or theoretical observations that we can make about that transition Uh, you know it's interesting because I mean in the spaces that we both work in matrescence is a really normalized word and and we know about it there are lots and lots of people who still don't I don't think it's still it's I don't think it's yet part of our vocabulary culturally Um, although maybe it depends where we're talking about which part of our culture or societies we're talking about but certainly, you know, motherhood has been socially constructed and that there's this difference between the social world that we're mothering within and our role as a mother and then the mothering work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have cultural vocabulary, our language wrapped around that yet adequately. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's so interesting reflecting on identity, right? Because it's, it's always, <laughs> I was going to say it's always both and, and I'm just creating a binary in the way that I phrased that. But I think, you know, this sense of being broken and, and becoming, I love that. And I know that that resonates with so many mothers and that is such a, so it can feel like medicine to hear that, I think, to know that this is okay and that I am in a lim- liminal space at the moment and I am in a, a space of challenge and that there is another side to this, like I can come out to the other side to this and that's where I think the role of mentorship is so important, right, in the work that you do in, in education and then holding of rites of passage experiences as well. And then also, as you say around the empowering parts of the experience too, there are, there are women who feel as though they've finally found themselves through motherhood, mm-hmm. right? This sense that actually, and I have to say that that's part of, actually neither of those was my experience, mm-hmm. um, but I, I felt more myself as a mother, but I didn't feel as though I needed to become a mother to find myself. I knew myself and who I was, but I didn't feel broken by my role as a mother either. Mm-hmm. So it's complicated. I felt broken or not broken, but fractured I suppose by the context that I was mothering within Mm -hmm. and other relationships around that and circumstances and you know the this baby sleep industry and the shoulds and all of that like yeah that fractured me and but it wasn't necessarily my identity as a mother that did that I wonder if
1: what do you think about that I think that's really interesting. I just want to reflect back to you that, you know, where my experience of having witnessed birth and kind of coming into this experience with, with a mentor, I mean, it sounds like you also, right from those early days, were actually able to tease apart the difference between your own individual mothering experience and the cultural context that you were mothering in. And I think the vast majority of people, hopefully fewer and fewer with with your work, but the vast majority of people actually can't tease those two things apart and don't see the literal water that they're swimming in. And so I just want to like name and uplift that, that, you know, I think that there's so much of that cultural context that is actually the reason why. If we feel broken in the process or completely dismantled, that that is a part of it, you know, I mean, yes, even in like, I don't know, some utopian culture, I still think that the transition to motherhood is meant to undo us in some way. But I think there's sort of, mm, you know, what's coming up intuitively right now is, is, you know, in the birth world, we talk about the difference between pain and suffering. Yeah. And like pain is just the experience, uh, in your body of something that's quite uncomfortable. And actually suffering is the story that we tell about it. Right. And, and when we kind of trip into, into suffering, that's when we start to experience real challenge. And I think I have totally lost my train of thought, Sophie. <laughs> No, I think <laughs> I that... myself there. But I think there's there's something about like this is gonna be a challenging experience, and yet our I think our cultural context can then trip that into the realm of of deep challenge and even of pathology because of all of these you know contextual factors.
0: Yeah, I think even just. This part of our conversation is a really good example of that, right? Of being able to actually go have the chewing and throwing and the back and the forth and the curiosity and the questioning and the holding of space. And then to be able to say, I just lost myself there. And then you (laughs) land again, you know, like that's that this is it. This is it. And, and to know that we do this in relationship, don't we? Like it's always a, it's a process, as you say. And it's one that I think, what do you think about this? The holding of space for this process. And cause I, I, you know, I hear you talk about the importance of your mentors and, and I would feel the same, although I wouldn't necessarily call them mentors, but my close family mm-hmm. and family friends. And actually I looked to older women almost as evidence of for, for women in my family who have been through a lot of pain and trauma and suffering in their movement into motherhood. Mm-hmm seen their lives as almost evidence of their triumph, that, like, you can get through this. Mm -hmm. And so could you talk a little bit about the role of mentorship and the role of community and of connection for mothers who are in this liminal space, whether that be immediately postpartum or whether that be 10 years later?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think of community actually as one of those skills and capacities that we have the deep potential to grow in motherhood. You know, it's, we never have needed it more than in this transition and in this experience. And, you know, when I think about identity shift and anytime we're making a major transition in our lives, it asks us, you know, we ask ourselves, who am I now? Who am I now that I'm a mother? But what we forget is that when we have changed, you know, we are an ecosystem. We exist in an ecosystem of relationships and roles and realities that either change with us or that we leave behind or that shape shift in some way. And so the other question that I think we forget that we are also asking, not just who am I now, but where do I belong? Yeah. You know, with whom do I belong now? And it's a really fundamental question of, of motherhood, of this transition, because most of us experience some kind of disruption to our sense of belonging, whether it's with our friends, our family of origin, Specifically, maybe with our mothers. I know a lot of people that I work with experience, um, either like a, a deep rupture or a deep healing with their relationships with their mothers, intimate partnerships. And so, and, and our wider communities. And so I think that, yes, like the role of mentors is so incredibly important, like to both in the sense of normalizing this process and sort of, doing exactly what you looked to your elders to do, to say like, you know, this is quite survivable and there's another side. (laughs) But I think also, yeah, to find our place of belonging. And that's where we know and understand that I am not broken, that I'm becoming, that that this is normal. You know, we need that social referencing. Hey, me too, you know and it's so incredibly healing and so incredibly important yeah and also paradoxically especially in our modern times incredibly challenging and you know i don't think i have any solution for it other than to say that we've got to create what we crave and that you know unfortunately on top of all of the incredible emotional labor associated with being mothers in this world, we also have to hold responsibility. And and my mentor would say the ability to respond, like we have to hold responsibility for also creating our place of belonging in our communities. And I just, it sucks because I, I think, you know, we all kind of, I think a lot of us emerge into motherhood going like, where's my village? Like, yeah, please someone order me a village and I want to snap my fingers and make it happen or, or just bemoan that it's not here. And I just don't see any other way around it than to create it. And yeah. then, then to sort of enact what it is that we most desire. And yeah. 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 I love that. Create
0: what you, did you say create what you
1: crave? Create what you crave. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, It reminds me of a couple of things. One being, and I I mentioned this recently in a different forum, I don't think on the podcast, but um, when I was interviewing Andrea, Professor Andrea O'Reilly, who founded Motherhood Studies, and talking about all of the incredible things she's done and created, and she said something similar to, to the effect of saying, actually, I did this quite selfishly initially. Like, I did this because I needed it. I did this because there weren't these spaces and I needed these spaces. Yeah. And then something that somebody else said to me, Mari Porter, who is, is a mentor of mine, and her son was disabled, um and he's he's now past Anthony, and she spoke to me about not just the desire for for herself as a mother to create what she was needing and what her son was needing, but the necessity of it. Mm -hmm. and how actually sometimes we can be mothers can be painted as these kind of saintly martyrs or you're amazing look at you go you're doing this Mm -hmm. and you're doing this and you're doing this and and yeah yes okay let's actually honor and have reverence for all that mothers are doing and at the same time we can say she shouldn't be in a place where she has to do that absolutely she she's doing it out of necessity and sometimes out of a need for survival for herself and her children. And so again, like acknowledging the complexity of that. And um, I think that's really powerful how you've, you've framed that in creating what we crave and what we need and what we want to see, right? The yeah. world that we want to try and create and that we want to see for our children. Yeah. Circling back to something you said earlier about that of this is actually what the world is needing. So much of the yeah. skill set that we gain through our mothering practice. I've loved this conversation and I know we could we could go on talking for a long a, a lot longer than this but I wonder if you would would share with listeners how they can connect with you the type of work that you're currently doing maybe what's on the horizon for you or something you're working towards and, and how people can can immerse themselves within your work more.
1: Yeah, great. Thanks, Sophie. I really enjoyed this conversation too. So, people can find me on i um also on Instagram. One thing that might be kind of fun is that I have a quiz, a free quiz on my website that you can take and it will tell you which phase of transition and transformation you're in right now. So, we talked about those four phases. And you'll find out which phase and you'll get a five day mini course and a free ebook that's customized to support you through that. So it's pretty fun. It's pretty good reason. That's amazing. Um, Yeah. So people can take that and it's it's helpful. I mean, it's for it's for all folks who are going through transformation, but it's very deeply applicable to mothers, obviously. Yeah, and I guess coming up on the horizon, September, and I don't know when this airs, but in September, I'll be launching the 2022 round of Mother Shift, my Three-month program, Matrescence program, support program for mothers, and then the Village, which is a three-month Matrescence apprenticeship program for people who work with mothers through this time. And so that's a always a really exciting and fun time of year. This is Mothershift's sixth year in existence. Long before Matrescence was a hashtag. <laughs> And so that's pretty exciting. I'm looking forward to that.
0: Wow, that is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that and for the work that you're doing in the world and the resources you're sharing from others and and having these conversations. You know, every conversation is so important. And I really hope that listeners can feel this land with them and think about what they might like to take away and, and absolutely head on to, to Jesse's website and do that quiz. I want to do the quiz now and see what phase that I'm in i'll do
1: the queen people love it yeah yeah awesome
0: thank you so much for your time jesse i really appreciate it thank you it's been a delight i hope you've resonated with something from today's episode please consider leaving the podcast a review to help me have these conversations reach more people if you're someone who works with mothers check out my online training the motherhood studies practitioner certification and you can head to my website for more information about my other services dr sophie brock.com thank you for being here